0: Hello, we're back again with a new episode. But before we dive in, we'd like to announce our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Mercury International. Mercury International is a company based here in Freetown, Sierra Leone, but its presence is felt both nationally and internationally. You may know Mercury as the lotto company, but they are far more than that. Mercury International offers services such as sports betting and they have a radio station.
1: Additionally, they have embarked on philanthropic projects. Recently, they raised and donated 300 million Lyons, which is $30,000 to the Survivors Solidarity Fund, co-chaired by the journalist Aisha Sasseh, actor Idris Elba, and media personality here in Freetown, Asma James.
0: These funds are being used to fund treatment centres and organisations that work in sexual and gender-based violence to provide pro bono services to sexual assault victims and survivors here in Sierra Leone.
1: For more information on the work, mercury international does you can contact them at plus two three two three zero five nine zero five nine zero or email them at info at com, or visit their website at betamercury.com
0: all right hope you enjoy the episode bye, bye.
1: Hello, I'm Yasmin Mesh johnson
0: And I'm Yasmin Bilkis-Ibrahim. We
1: are y Square Pod. Welcome back to the podcast. We are back with a n- brand new episode. And before we introduce this episode, Yasmin's going to give us the interesting fact.
0: So the interesting fact of Sierra Leone is that um, despite it being um, a historically Islamic country, uh, though much secular nowadays, uh, we've only had one Muslim president, which was um, the late Ahmed Jankaba. All of our heads of states have been Christian.
1: Interesting fact indeed, Yasmin thank you so this episode is rape culture culture. in
0: sierra leone
1: so we thought for this episode it would be best to get somebody who is an expert in the field and talks about this to the nation today we have
0: nasu Nasu Fofana. Fofana. so thank you so much for coming to the pod uh nasu how are you doing
2: I'm doing very well. <laughs> Feeling very relaxed. Thank you so much. Good, for yes, and on. thank you for
0: this wonderful lemon uh, grass tea we're enjoying. And ginger, it's really Yes.
2: <laughs> and honey. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and honey. honey. And honey. From Sierra Leone. <laughs> Everything. Yes.
0: Everything, Everything. from Sierra Leone. But before we uh, dive into the topic at hand, let's start a bit lighthearted. So, Nasu, tell us a bit about yourself. Or tell viewers,
2: listeners about yourself. My goodness. We, <laughs> we don't have time. Where do I start? It's <laughs> like, where do I start? <laughs> um, well, I'm sure. Most people, you know, people who live in Sierra Leone, um, would know me as a very outspoken person on key issues around women and girls in particular, but I am a mother of, um, so it's my biggest achievement, you know, before anything, um, I am a mother of, a you know, aspiring lawyer. I'm so proud of my daughter, so Aww. I talk about her all the time, um, <laughs> And of course, I, um, I was born and raised in Sierra Leone, um, from Pujon District, in a very tiny village called Fuendu Perry. I need to go back there. I've never been there, actually.
3: Oh. Um,
2: now, I've not been to that village. I want to go there. So it's one of the things that um, I'm going to do next day. I've been to Pujon so many times, but the particular village
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: that I was born, and I haven't been there for So I want to go and reconnect. Okay. Um, with, because my grandparents were in there, so I don't have... Immediate family um, members there. So I don't know anybody there. That's why I haven't been, but I'm going to go okay. and pay homage. And um, I went to school here in Sierra Leone, um, primary school in different parts of the country. And so secondary school, um, I went to St. Joseph's Moyamba, Methodist Secondary School, Keneman, then College 8. And then um, worked um, at the travel agency called IPC in those days. Um, I think that they're, they're still, they're still operating. Yes, mm-hmm. street. Yeah. So we were there. That's where I got my first job as a 19-year-old, um, as a ticketing and reservations clerk. So we used to handle all the planes, Ghana Airways, Nigerian Airways, World Airlines, British Airways. Uh, I mean, everybody used Those to come. Those
3: were
2: days. Mm. Yeah. British, <laughs> all of them. And I wanted to become a... And the hostess. Oh. So we were the last set of people They interviewed for Australian National Airlines But we never flew yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We never flew But um, anyway um, Then I took my own canoe Across the pond And went to the UK And um, met my ex-husband there Got married We moved to the States And then uh, we started fighting Of not liking each other too much We decided that, um, I decided that no, enough is enough. I'm coming back to London. I wanted to go to school because, you know, I didn't have the, I wanted to attain higher education. Mm. I didn't have the opportunity here at home. So, um, I went somewhere where I could have student loans Mm -hmm. or, you know, I would have access to education. So I was hungry for for that and nothing Mm. was going to stop me. And my... Relationship didn't quite support that part. So I decided to choose going back to school over being married. And um, so I came to London, went to school, um, did my access course, and then went to University of Westminster. Then I went to UCL, and then I went to UCL and went to UCL. um, But um, that's, that's that. And then in 2009 um i returned home because my daughter wanted to also have um, experience of her father taking her to school she, she wanted that it was a big part of her upbringing she wanted that so i said okay fine so she left for the u.s and then i came home and i've been back home what 11 years and um worked um started my own business Um that didn't go as well as i could afford because most of what we have today rent available. We didn't have, I mean, electricity as we have it now. Um, And um, so I got the experience of that, but then I went to the UN and then government and then out of government, went back to university, um, bagged myself another degree so I can just have things to show people. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm using much of it. But um, I did that. And now, of course, as you, I know, you know, um, dipped my toes into um, politics as deputy leader of the um, unity party so we are you know taking stock and we want to bring on board more women into the political space it's really a core as a central um, tenet of what we want to do and just inspire more women not to feel so intimidated um, by getting into politics and now I am an entrepreneur and, um, and an author. So of course I produce my susu coconut oils. Um, so if you haven't tried it, you better try them. Um, and I recently published my first book, and hopefully of many. Leave it to Nasu. So in a nutshell, I am a very, <laughs> I'm a very easy person to get along with. But I'm very people say I'm very difficult to get through to. That's because you have to have your own defense mechanisms around you. Mm-hmm. I'm a very generous person. Um, and I I have been burnt a few times for opening up. Right. So mm-hmm. I have my wall now. And at 50, you know, I say we're 50, feisty and fabulous. Um, we've had our children, we've had the t-shirts. Now it's about what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. So... I'm a humanitarian, I give a lot, I mentor people, I love to share my experiences with people, I feel like it's one of the biggest ways to impact other people's lives, Mm -hmm. Um, either way. So in a nutshell, that's who I am. Um, Yeah, very private in my private space, and very public in the public space. It makes so much sense. sense. That's
1: that's really good. You say you recently released your first book, what can people expect in that book? What would... You say as your go-to the ah, book.
2: It's the book is there. <laughs> so, um, you. I just had my review copy, so there is something for everybody. Mm. If you were in primary to junior or secondary school, my childhood chapters would interest you. Um, if you're a teenager, the first two chapters will really interest you. If you're a young woman like you Kaiser, uh, I think the rest of the book will interest you, mm-hmm. um, but you'll have areas you can pick and choose. Um, so if you're thinking that you are at a crossroad, whether it's um, career-wise, um, education, you can go through my education chapter and see what I did, how I walked through some of my challenges and how I took opportunities that presented themselves to me. I I don't believe in luck. I believe that if you don't prepare yourself for an opportunity when it presents itself, Mm -hmm. there is no luck. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I I had Oprah say this some time ago and I just thought, this this, this really makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if you say you want to come and interview me but you're not prepared, even if I choose to say I'm going to do it, you're not going to get what you need to get. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the same thing with life. Um, You have to be prepared for opportunities. So you can have, you will get, um, you'll get my life story Mm. in a nutshell, a summary of my life story, not everything. So I've put my experiences very bare as much as I can remember, candidly. But there are also um, steps, how I walked through, my issues because we need to be preferring solutions yeah we talk too much about problems you talk about teenage pregnancy you talk about rape you talk about this um how did you deal the way i have dealt with my situation might not be the same way Mm -hmm. you might but you might find some of those steps that i took very interesting Mm -hmm. so when i finished uh, when i moved to the uk from the u.s and I having a boyfriend while I was going through this whole divorce. I, I wanted a steady boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But I was a single parent now, so I didn't have time to be going to my <coughs> clubs to begin with. So I invested in finding a boyfriend. I made it like okay, I'm going to go to university, I'm going to study, I'm going to do this. So I wanted a boyfriend. So I invested. If you go to the if you go and read the book, I wanted a certain kind of person. So, I went through the process and went and I got that person. So, in my 50s again, I'm now going to be looking for a particular kind of person that complements my life. I am going to invest in the processes. I'm not just going to meet anybody and say, well, yeah, let's rule. Okay, I have specific things I want to achieve within this period. So, with anything, you have to plan and you have mm-hmm. to be prepared. Otherwise, you make too many mistakes. So, you get most of what I'm saying in the book okay already right, excited to read it <laughs> <Manifesting>. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so now so how do you feel like your life experiences have contributed to your work in like in gender and advocacy like for me i mean having the mom that i have the parents that i have like not being a feminist was not like an option mm-hmm. which is fine but i feel like i wasn't very active in my feminism more so in lip service mm-hmm. because i hadn't been challenged i lived for the most part a very sheltered and privileged life from social issues mm-hmm. so when i came to sierra leone um Uh, in 2014, um, from the States. So Ebola happened. Obviously, no one had planned for that. That's one thing you can not plan for, you know, Ebola happened. And then um, is when I was confronted with the reality that 14,000 girls became pregnant as a result of Ebola because schools were closed. That's why I was like, "Well, I have to do something. So my um, community-based organization, Girl Up, was in response to that. So other girls do not fall pregnant during epidemics or pandemics right now like right now we're always in touch with the girls the girls are studying so we know that you know they'll be okay and all the other like our target beneficiaries. so that's good and so that's something that like i've been engrossed in the past four years like what was your catapult mo- catapult moment they like oh i have to do something i can't just say oh I defest for my defense for man
2: I need to do something so again if you read my book that's ah okay that's it's the book <laughs> no yes it came and it's interesting that you asked me i think you're probably the first person ah. if i can remember well my memory can serve me right we've actually sort of like zoomed on a question like this but it's something i addressed in my book because um you don't just get up and say oh i'm going to do this you mm-hmm. have to have something that spores you into mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. it has to be something that you believe in so I look at my um, advocacy, maybe going back way back as when I was five years old, where I saw my mother being in the back of the kitchen, you know, cooking with, you know, for my some of my aunties who were well done. And as a child, I just didn't like, you know, seeing her in that sort of substandard mm. way. And that's even people who, work with me because that's what I say not necessarily for me I take them really like you know your professionals right. I did I I just felt like my mother you know was treated like a second-class woman so I always had this thing that I am not going to be like this woman I'm not going to be um, washing anybody's dishes you know I'm not going to let anybody talk down to me Mm. so I saw that growing up and I really resented that so I always wanted to be a different person and I knew education would be the only and I also noticed that because even though my parents didn't have as much my father was in the military I mean but they separated when we were really young Um, but they always tried to give us the basics. So I really, in as much as they didn't have much, but I always had good uniforms, nice shoes. And so I never felt insecure mm-hmm. amongst um, my peers. Okay, I grew up with what I would really call equality and equity in my space. Um, leadership came by hierarchy of the fact that you are the older one, not because you're a woman or you're a boy or a girl. So I grew around that. So I've always felt equal to boys. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like I can in fact do better. Nobody taught me that. Mm. But I also didn't see my father talking down to my mother. They had their issues and even my stepmother. So they had their issues, but we were never really part of it. I never, so the time my father died, my mother told me, "Your father did da 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 da." My father once never said a single bad thing about my mother. Mm. So I I saw my mother as a vulnerable person amongst other women, not mm. so much. And then my mother, when my father, when you know, when we were growing up, did not um try to allow other people to come into her space she protected her children so Mm. to some extent we were really really like protected from some of these other things so all i saw firsthand was that she was treated less by other people because they had more. Okay. Okay. So that's despite, um, that, that like, it was almost like an injustice. I, I mean, I still feel it. You understand? Right, that why would to... you treat another human being? Because you have a little bit. And I'm sure the people didn't really maybe feel, look at it that way. But as a child, I internalized that. Right. Mm. It's not um, a class issue. Yes. Yeah. You understand. And so that fighting spirit, I believe, started from that very um, age and it just went with me so mm. I will challenge things that I feel without knowing what it really meant that I feel was not fair. so that unfairness mm. so whether it was for boys or it was for women I did not start like oh I'm fighting for boys because I didn't know all of that I right. just knew if you are you know upsetting her because of um, you know you are older or you're bigger I will speak up so okay. I started speaking up very, uh, you know, on injustice, very, very well, and it just just continued. So even when I, in my marriage, my my relation, my even when I had boyfriends, you know, I would just I would just stand out. So the things that other women or other my you know girls will cry for, I never. I just showed up. Everybody wanted to do home economics. So I'm like, no, I'm doing agriculture because you mm. know the boys were doing agriculture. So I. I just felt like we're all equal mm-hmm. so when i see the injustice and especially if it was boys then i stand up so i always um stood up against boys in secondary school mm. so i became very well known i mean some of the people in power today who i went who i grew up with in kenema will tell you that so they tell me that when people say oh that nasty," they're like no she's always been like that so <laughs> she will challenge so she's not going to change she was like that as a teenager you know, we know how for that. Um the boys at the Kenema Secondary School were waiting for me to go and do sixth form there because I was in my debating society in my school, which was like a lower school for them, mm. but you know, it they didn't have the name that they had. But then we'll beat them, I'll lead my team and we'll beat them at the debating. Correct. So they were waiting for me to get to their school a sixth form. So I thought, like, nah, I'm going to I'm going to free town, You see. So I have always fought and I don't feel like it's something that I that's, I took up um, recently when I was overseas. Or this yeah. or something. It's even, again, even studying gender, I mean, if you look at my certificate, it says MA, in Education, Gender, and International Development. So I never thought I would take a gender, um, you know, do gender studies because I just thought, ah... You, know, you read it, yeah. but, but they're they, they not like man, they're not one for talk to man. <laughs> you know, I had this archaic, you know, stereotypical. Ah, in fact, everybody who does that, you know, they are lesbians.
3: You know, mm-hmm. that
2: is you understand that yes. was like those days. and you know, ah, if I go study gender, they're going to say me a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And then I went to university. I went to I went to do this course, and I had really um you know uh, uh, um 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 uh, um women who were lesbians, and <laughs> it's it's funny. You read this. It's they opened my eyes to so much, you understand. And then I started seeing the inequality, you understand, some of the discrimination that they are facing. You know, mm-hmm. those stereotypical views that we've had. And then I was like, oh, really? You know, and they, we even went for something at, um, you know, in Paris, part of our cause, we had to go to UNESCO. And what they did was they deliberately paired me up with this um, um, lady who was lesbian. Okay, so we were both in the room. And I said, ah! you you're going to be initiated you know university Ah, how yeah but she was the most resourceful person and she would say come sit that's that thing that you 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 think it is it's not so i got educated and Mm. it made me feel really really proud of myself because you know how close we are especially in our community i mean who say we come out and what so all of you know um by lesbian, all, so all of these other things that were now, you know, um, social injustices, the way people treat people because of their sexuality, because of their color, because of their, then I started taking that, those things up. And Oxfam, mm. because I did that diversity um, job, you know, so whether it was disability, so it started now brewing professionally from mm. um, my role um, at Oxfam as a diversity consultant. Because okay. then, within diversity, you see all of these trends, right. including gender, including religion, including, you know. So then it started making sense to me. Then I think I became even more feisty in my approach, but it's always been there, okay. you know. So and I don't think it's going, well, not even think, it's not going to go away, you know. And it has allowed me to be open to mm-hmm. different experiences, you know. I'm a very liberal, open minded person if i have something that is a bit uh i'm not sure of i will i'm inquisitive i'll ask yeah so what what is it like my the first time i had you know a gay cousin who came out to me i'm like tell me back <laughs> you know but i just wanted to learn because yeah. it didn't change this you is my understand. cousin we're you know we're like so i just tell him listen don't go near my boyfriends you know we you know and you say if anyone comes here that's I really like so we will we, we'll fight over <clears> that <throat> but it's stuff like that you but because i was already i already had that in my mind you know fighting for injustice at that very very against injustice and that's even that's actually um, encouraged me to you know, go for education. Cause mm. I felt like, okay, I'm thinking about which way you you people are not get. Whose way you get for can correct all the NCR anyway? How you go with So, I wanted my mother to go overseas. I wanted my mother to do all of these things. That this, you know, so I knew the only way was through education. So mm. I became extremely eager to go to university because I felt it was the only way I was going to validate myself to me and okay. do the things that I wanted.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. That's interesting. So, um, yeah, you've touched a lot on gender inequality and social injustices. Do you think, well, this is an open question to you as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think, well, they clearly have led to rape culture, but in what sense do you think these two elements have caused rape culture?
0: Well, i think the two they they complement one another because um as nasu said at, at a young age she would see one her mom being like treated like a second class citizen in your own home just imagine so let alone what society thinks of you that just kind of tells you that like patriarchy has always been very embedded in salon culture and in general so like i think that's one of the things that perpetrates rape culture in sierra leone things like if you were like i've been told like by men who are supposed to be my friends hey as if you wear that they then go rape you just a skirt like you know um above my knees or whatever i'm just like is that something you should say oh well you know you girls are tempting us nowadays how can how can a woman or even a girl let's talk about girls because that's the issue in sierra leone how can a little child tempt you a seven-year-old was raped last week how did she tempt you her little how did she tempt you things like that so i think it's our approach towards women and that we, that men feel like they have access. they they have um, open access to women's bodies and girls' bodies mm. because you know, in joke, like the thing is for me, I'm always as an educator, I'm always very like precise about language. It's even the way we speak. Ah, well, I don't get one girlfriend for you. Like, what type of perverted joke is that your little daughter you're going to these perverted uncles that's where that comes from mm. so if it's in our language obviously it's in our culture and people do it so for me i feel like they both complement each other and like that's something that a lot of people grow up seeing like either um men um praying after women and young boys see that, like oh it's okay my dad was doing this it keep girlfriend at kit. i can do that too mm-hmm. so it's just like the blatant disrespect. disrespected i just feel like um not just in salon of course but because salon is the um the topic at hand that's just something that they they both complement each other and you just see that growing up and it's just a vicious cycle
1: yeah i think well since i moved here nearly two years ago i just feel like there's a lack of accountability on a male's part like a lot of the messaging and um a lot of the campaigns that have happened for example geared towards women um hands off our girls Mm -hmm. and things everything is geared towards females, and it's a bit like, well, how can you tell one message to the victim, but you're not telling it to the perpetrators? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So it's like, how, do, how does Sierra Leon get, like, I don't know, a balance in telling the message? Because even, even me and you, we've been to a few events, and it's like, the room will be full of girls, and it's like, okay, well, you're directing the message to the wrong people, or how do you...
0: Not the ones who are raping.
2: Exactly. Well, because we're missing the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. We're missing... We don't. We. You see, people. The problem is we like celebrity advocacy. And I say that because we all want to be seen on Facebook, on Twitter, like we're doing something. Mm-hmm. We 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 want the external validation that we're doing something, but we're actually not doing the work. And as a survivor of um, rapists, you've brought it up, and I have my experience taking me back to um what we are not addressing which is we have to, we have traditional ways um of doing things in this country so we have what we are all we are all on facebook we are all in a, my <laughs> the, the the ones who are doing stuff in the village and the chiefdoms don't even care, they don't even know what we are talking about mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. So when the chief um, now, of course, they are trying to go away from that. But we have, you know, traditional um, um, system of governance as well. Of course. So we think that 80 percent of our people are living in, 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 in rural areas and are doing what they're doing, how they want to do it. And they respond to the paramount chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have we have that local governance structure as well as central governance. Within the within that local governance, we have our local laws, customary laws, mm-hmm. which are totally contradictory to some of the things that we talk about. So back there now, let we even forget about the law Before, so the time that we were when the chief, all the all the mothers in the chiefdom and the surrounding villages would want their daughters to get married. Some sometimes. The men don't even want, you know, they are not, they are not, they don't, they are not even aware. They bring them like presents, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. objects, yeah, Mm -hmm. like 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 now. But they do, they used to do it like it was the right thing. So I mean, for me, I like to put things into context, context, yeah, okay. Because until we are able to see why people are doing what they're doing, we're not going to be able to have. We have to have everybody on board to, you know, come up with the solutions we cannot sit at the table here in in freetown and make um, you know laws or bring up initiatives when we have not consulted we have not asked we cannot even say bottom up because those people are leaders mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you understand they are leaders but we have to engage within those those communities and see what are the root causes now Most girls in those communities, after class 6, the biggest thing for them, class 7, is that once they've started seeing their period, is that they now have to go to the Bundu, and then the next thing is marriage, because their parents have very little. As we speak today, with all the advocacy, that is what is happening, Mm -hmm. because those men within that those settings will not marry girls who have not gone through their rites of passage mm-hmm. so it is embedded it is there you understand we can we're making all the noise but you you can go independently and see mm-hmm. so once you go through your rites of passage you are now and now they are doing it younger and younger and mm-hmm. younger so for all of these things, we need to find ways, first of all, to say, okay. Because the ethos of the society is when they don't join you, you are ready. So, bondo is not for children. You're supposed to be... Those days when we go to society, uh, puberty was the marker. So, because that was when they would say, you're not so picking again. Because if you do man business, you get mele. Okay, so people had to... The moment you see your period, it was time for you to go and get initiated. So you don't go and start sleeping around and you get pregnant. The taboo around all of those things. So if they still, they also, we have to see, we have, we have to draw all of these trends. Now, because it is part of it. I say it is part of it, and that's why I'm against child initiation right across the board. You don't once you don't do that, then many are they begin see them picking air. As well. But they are also now doing it to girls who are not who have not even gone through their rites of passage. So that is one area we have to look at some of the cultural practices. But again, men the second cultural practice for me is how men the whole societal responds to Older men versus younger women. Mm. The smaller you are, the more prestigious it is for your husband. Nami, mm. nami, nami, nadi bate, nami young wife. So the younger you are, you become the sweetest. So if they are not marrying you now, because culturally that's what hey, they don't go bring they don't go bring one young woman. You are the big wife now. Go marry a young woman for me. Mm. Okay. It's how we think. It's how our society thinks. So I am fifty-one. If I want to marry a forty-year-old man today, people will go in arms. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a, that's a young, young, young boy. A forty-year-old man. I will say now I'm going to be thirties. And I go say now I, I was nineteen years younger than my than my husband. But would I go today and go out with? A nineteen man, a nineteen year, a man that is nineteen years older than me, without everybody saying, ah, oh, madam, I don't lost respect for her. That young, 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 bobo, I go keep. So we glorify younger female bodies to men for sexual pleasure. As a society, mm-hmm. it's it's. So at every level. So if you get man in our way, the younger they are, then say it's sweets. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me force. And then the other third one is this whole idea of Nami force goody. So we have to break these conversations. Nami force goody. So they are going younger and younger for ladies and I then force goody. It's a trophy for men. Nami vaginator. You hear it in the universities. Mm-hmm. You see that they force themselves on girls and women, young women, because if they don't know now. That's name, uh, virgin. They are competing to break that virginity. So if you are trying to get in with them, the first thing they want to do is break that side because now the trophy, then they, they want to come out to the real relationship. So you have all of this. But do we hear these conversations? We don't hear these conversations. We are we are talking at the top level. Mm-hmm i see a situation where you're working with girls and you know my fifth set speaker is one of the things that i will close with is a summit where we'll have this conversation i have been able by my experience i've been able to know some of this, but i've also heard this from girls then they always see don't go from one so i don't do go, down, don't go, don't go down there so it won't go with the class six my goodness. who might still be um a virgin Virginity is a trophy for our men. This is why they are raping our babies. Madani, Madani, Madani. You understand? Well, until you, you, know, you say, Uri. <laughs> 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 so they knew you were here. <laughs> <laughs> they knew you were here. So we got a Madonna. But you see, these are. So, how do we influence change within that culture? We have to go to these traditional leaders we sit like oh sit don't so they talk you know have this kind of this kind of podcast mm-hmm. oh, just an like
1: open dialogue
2: open uh, yeah. dialogue where people don't feel judged mm-hmm. right yeah we judge too much. Mm-hmm. these are the types of conversations we have to have because we have to we have to go deeper mm-hmm. the surface level yes mm-hmm. and then we bring the issues step-by-step step. but we also have to ask people to proffer solutions mm-hmm. you don't go and gather all of this information and then you come and say i'm going to prescribe the solution we live in a prescriptive society i know all the answers i've got five degrees let me just write the policy and deliver da, 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 da
1: And also, it's not going to be the same method. I think a lot of people or a lot of agencies, when they come, they're like, okay, we're going to address this message to Freetown, the same message to... Yeah, it, this, they this, think this, it's this, a one-fit-all exactly. schema. it's, it's not. not. And you're going to have to approach every district differently or just even just try and understand how certain kingdoms and areas do things. You're going mm-hmm. to have to
2: have a conversation with the people there before you can... People have their belief message. systems, mm-hmm. yeah? And... We spoke about lived experiences earlier. Mm-hmm. These are not things you can prescribe medication for. Okay? You are, if people have to change, whatever you're talking to them needs to make sense to them. Absolutely. Change happens internally, change is not something you force on somebody. If somebody believes that sleeping with the younger ones makes them happy, it doesn't matter whether we put it out there. We have the laws you know they can send them to jail mm-hmm. they are still going to think that they are not going to be caught that's it but if we really invest also in engaging at this level where we can't just say to the paramount chiefs you know this is your responsibility they need the resources I to call me when a paramount chief calls a meeting to talk about something he has to cook or she has to cook, mm-hmm. maybe a bag of rice for that day. Mm-hmm. You have to feed their 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 their, their subjects. Mm-hmm. So to have these dialogues, and how much do they get? You understand. So even at community level now, when people come, they expect things. Mm-hmm. You came, I served you tea. What if I couldn't afford that? It's mm-hmm. our culture. That's what we do. So people sit, and this is not a one-time, one-off advocacy it's a continuous process so the younger ones that are coming who have been um um, 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 conditioned because they sleep in the same room with their parents and they see sex happening and they want to explore Mm -hmm. we have to look at that young boys are now going after i was just telling you about the seven year old kids yesterday three girls one boy the boy According to the girls, it's right for Yanli. And they were cursing each other. I got out of my, I got out and stood in my veranda and had to speak to them. But this is the society. So those children mm-hmm. already feel like, the boy feels like it's okay for go Yan. Right. Where you want go yang?
0: And if you're rejected, yes. you can insult her.
2: You can insult her. And when you yarn, what are you going to do with the girl that you don't yarn? Okay, we all women get, you know, we've, we've gone through this. But the level... Oh, it's different is now. It's different. It's different now. And the girls were there holding their corner because it was three of them. Mm. They were going to gang up on him. Good. So, a cursed the one. The other two came and they started cursing. Mm. But these are seven-year-olds. Yeah, you shouldn't mm. even, Didn't even know. not even know
0: those type of words. Words, okay.
2: So, I had to put them there and... Just explain. Mm-hmm. Because it was not about screaming at them and then right. they run away. What did they learn? So we, we have to go to basics with this. I am very happy that we are now getting, at least from the legal side, the cases are going and, you know, we're having it. But is it sustainable? Is it only going to be in free time? I mean, you know, are we having the same in the provinces? Not, 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 not yet because mm-hmm. the judiciary, you know, they are limited as well. So, but before we come to this, prevention is important. Mm-hmm. So the only way we prevent what is happening is by educating people and letting them understand that when you rape a little girl, you don't destroy her for life. Because she's going to grow up knowing, if, if you able member, it's going to live with her for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. It has a trickle-down effect on what she does for the rest of her life. So we have to we have to do all, together, simultaneously. We need the traditional leaders to come together at all levels. You're not going say, I know they work with NYU, because oh, they are FGM practitioners. You are, you, you are losing, you are missing the message, because these are women that girls go to. During the war, people used to go to the, the bush Bush to, to talk about sexual violence. How do we use their leadership skills to bring them on board in this fight? Now, other job you don't get in so. Because in our culture, they free them. Of course, then they free them. So when they stand, when I was young, when man beats in woman, when they go, call that, so, and mommy, he come, the man, they disappear. They're, yes, they do. They do. So we look at areas where we could bring these women on board. To deal with some of these societal issues that is steeped in our traditional way of thinking. You change them by letting them own things that they know they can deliver. How many times don't say to me? Now when they talk this talk with himself, make by law I tell we say let we handle the money if they do this. It could be draconian, but they know their power. Mm. And the men will respect, they will be scared. So, why do they do the national? We also, because we are steep in tradition mm. at every level. We can't, we can't go away from it. It's what is happening. We have to then use the good skills of our traditional leaders to combat sexual violence, teenage pregnancy, even poverty. We have to bring them on board. It cannot just be us who have gone and studied policy mm-hmm. and da, 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 Because we don't implement. We're here mm-hmm. drinking champagne, drinking tea. And what is happening is there. Mm-hmm. So for me, we need to go back and look at the root causes and engage, engage openly, mm-hmm. not in a judgmental way. Right. So we can understand why and where. Some will say it's because of the war. Let's us understand if it's what, 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 what is, you know, we, there is so much we can learn mm-hmm. if we actually go back there and then use what we have together and then we can come and make the big campaigns. But even if we make the big campaigns, if people don't own it, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So that's why we continue seeing what is going on. And I feel finally that they use little babies now because they don't have to talk. We will never know why Khadija got strangled and killed. But it could just be that she's five years old. She was... Maybe she probably decided, i they go tell me auntie. Mm. Or i they tell me papa. Mm. It could have been that. Mm. Because I was in court for the pathologist's um, um, evidence. Mm. So this child was violently strangled. So there is something... That they didn't want her to tell to tell. Yeah. yeah. So the, the younger now they are, the more safer these pedophiles are. Or they go to like the other one waiting we go down with so now they are finding people who cannot talk because they yeah. talk too much. Mm-hmm. So again, we have to evaluate our interventions um by not putting more people you know is it because we're talking too much we're going to continue talking we have to we are going to continue talking and screaming but then we also have to look at what else can we do and we have to bring the men on board because not that they are not being brought on board but some of them are reluctant to be part of the conversation very much so because they're either harboring rapists they, you know they're rapist
0: apologists they're the ones Oh, oh no i'm not a rapist you know my friends are not rapists when yeah. are
2: they all? Then, party, they the and small in them. Yes, so and it is happening even within with right across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I have gone to the hinterlands because we sometimes just speak like this is a free town, city business, no. Kenema business, Bo business. But waiting they happen here? That we're not even we're not even smeller. Mm. So we have to do more, and we have to. We have to have committed people in this fight.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We we don't want people coming into this fight out of emotion, out of I want to be seen. Because at this, we get oh, if it's teenage pregnancy today, all the organisations are doing teenage pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Now everybody is a rape champion. Sooner or later, we are going to move to something else, and we forget about that. Mm-hmm. So we need we need people who are genuinely interested. In doing the work, and those people, government should also use them and continue. But if you are, if you are, if you, if you stand for something, you're not a wait for letting co-opt you. You no. continue doing it. Mm-hmm. 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 So, I mean, I feel I have said a lot about this because I just feel like we are doing this, but we are losing on the other side, and so we too. need to, we need to move back and think deeper. Right. Yeah.
1: So we're taking a quick break. We would like to remind you that this episode is sponsored by Mercury International.
0: Did you know Mercury is lending its support to the government and the people of Sierra Leone in the fight against COVID?
1: Additionally, they are also dedicated to education as demonstrated by the secondary school they are building in Potolaco.
0: For more information, you can visit their website at Betamercury.com, email them at info at or... Contact them at plus two three two three zero five nine zero five nine zero to check out the amazing work they're doing here in Sierra Leone. Enjoy the
1: rest of the episode.
0: Bye. Bye. And I feel like additionally, like, um, survivors or, or victims, because you're not always a survivor, mm-hmm. um, who come out there, like, heavily disti- um, stigmatized in their communities and whatnot. Like, there's this woman that I met about a year or two ago, and she was raped when she was a baby. She was ripped when she was one. Mm-hmm. Of course, she has no memory of that. But that stigma, like, oh, you know, not happy a because mm-hmm. they knew her name. You know, the, her name was in the headlines, oh whatever. So she went to university at 19. They're like, oh, you're the girl that got raped. You lived in my area. How can oh you be telling goodness. someone that for two for two decades? Mm-hmm. So she kept living with us. That. So that was the reason why she decided to study mental health. Because she's like, no, I can't do this. You yeah. know, I need to work with other survivors, those who have been victims. Mm-hmm. So I think also bring the culture of like destigmatizing those who come forward because it's not their fault. Who prays to get raped? You know, who wants to be sexually violated? No one. So that is also another way to like hold people accountable.
2: So and you you know you you said something who. Who pays to be raped? And I think, again, mixing the messages. Let me talk first about the survivors. What you see in this, and we continue to silence survivors by feeling like we understand what they are going through and we are talking for them. Now we go talk for the survivors, Mm -mm. though. You cannot tell my story. You cannot be holier than the Pope. Even the Pope himself knows they're not as holy anymore. So... I cannot speak for your experience. All I can do is, share your experience. With I have a group of survivors on, a, on a WhatsApp. We started. This is how difficult it is for people to speak, even when you are survivors. Mm. It's a process. Because, mm. you the, the, the I mean, look when I spoke out. Yeah, but I was prepared. I I, I knew when I decided that I was going to speak, even though the day we are openly put now on Facebook, it wasn't like I planned it, Mm. it was because I was was put on the spot by um two kids, um, two junior or secondary school kids at HRSS when I don't do my 50th speaker series, and they're just like, Madam Nasty, you sure you're not telling us a story? Why are you not naming that reverend? So I thought. So tell him because I feel say actually you can't tell them. Right. Story. You understand, and then I'm telling them if somebody does this to you, tell He's us. You tell but us. you cannot tell us. Mm. I'm like, oh. So that night I am not sleep. I'm just like because my thoughts was okay at the end of the series I will talk. Maybe I will talk to an Alexo, and you know I I knew I was always going to name name him, but so that day I just felt like that's it. This, you, you, you have to tell your authentic story. Yeah. And I knew what would come after. So I was prepared. But when, when I just go tell people, that, oh, you know, come and tell your story. They are not prepared. No, of course yeah. not. And then, me not be seen if any man wants me right now. you I want? to go go But people have to get to a point where they have already built their resistance to what will come. And it's not about feeling sorry for survivors. It's about allowing them space to heal. Mm -hmm. And these are all processes. So talking, when I first spoke about that issue in 2016, your mother is in your mother is in a WhatsApp group where we are. They were like my counselors because I kept having flashbacks. This now before I even talked on Facebook, ask your mom. We have a stop violence against women, Nikki Spencer. Since 2016, when I first said, when I first said I, you know, I am, I'm, I'm a, I'm a victim of rape because I was still in victim mode. Okay. Yeah. My blood pressure went up. These people now just a small group. Okay, I said it out, you know, because Omar Rufana interviewed me. But then I didn't know, and then of course the press people started asking me who. Mm. Then. By the time I had come on, Iago America, there was this Me Too movement, mm. and all of those things. Like I started getting recalls, mm. flashbacks. You understand? And it came from my subconscious mm.
3: to my conscious,
2: so I had to deal with it. And what did that do to me? My blood pressure rose. I got. I immediately um, developed blood pressure. Oh. My doctor here is like, hey, "Who say you pull blood pressure?" And it was the the lower one. That was going up not knowing that i have had so much inbuilt stress Mm. that you haven't expressed yes um i i i then where i go london and they put um a waiting safe machine for me blood pressure machine for me to Mm. monitor my blood pressure it was that bad if all the time i was studying my blood Mm. pressure was you know i could have had a stroke or died at any time so you i so it took me that long the day I spoke in Kenema, when my daughter called me and said, how do you feel? I said, you know what? I was, le- I was in my bathroom. I said, I felt like being constipated. Like when you really, really constipate, then mm. you go and you do that big boom. <laughs> it's how I felt. Mm. Something came out. Mm. My blood pressure has stabilized. Wow. You understand? Yeah. So people can be affected in ways that they don't even know. Yeah. Do we have the support system for survivors? No, we don't. Eh, hey, boo! I feel bad. This is really bad.
0: That's it? That and was embarrassing. Yeah, business. they've left you.
2: You are sitting there. You've exposed yourself. You don't have the support system. So, it's mm-hmm. any man that man already be there. and you know, they just want to sleep with you and go because they don't want to be with that woman who has been raped. We yes. don't go tell all men say it don't rape. Mm-hmm. So there are consequences about speaking up. We cannot rush people. Mm-hmm. And when people tell you their stories, if they've told it to you, not like when I'm speaking, God knows where, how far this podcast is going to go, you, they, it's trust. Yeah, yes, it's trust. They're
0: you. confiding in you.
2: So they're not mm-hmm. asking you because you want to look super popular that Nami force Yasmin tell in waiting safe. Mm-hmm. So when people say, oh, we have women who are talk, speaking up now, like you have no idea. Mm-hmm. What? What? They are the journey now. they've gone on absolutely yeah. just Before like what Nashi shared out. absolutely yeah. you understand yeah. they're, they're they're speaking up maybe they just spoke maybe they did what i did four years ago so they've just started their journey of facing mm-hmm. go back to them five years and see how that journey was you would have forgotten that you made them speak so yes. i don't force people to speak i have women who recently have said if you start your speaker series again we're going to speak I said, Mm. are you ready? Oh yeah. Okay, but we'll still be here. I sit on the phone. Sometimes I don't go to bed too because I have to talk to women who are fighting with who are suicidal because Mm. they are still seeing their violators. The trauma, yeah. Being very um you know, being very powerful in society Mm -hmm. now. And They don't have a choice, they see them on television. They see them or they have a big job somewhere. So they are public and then that recall. Mm -hmm. So some of them are not speaking, but they are relieving because of all, you know, the heightened advocacy on rape now. So I get a lot of calls, you know, about just crying. I also get calls where there's another very dark side of what is happening. Mm -hmm. which is people calling because they want to get back at people, because they know we are in the front of this, they are calling and saying, this person do me so. I will never discard anybody's story, but I say to people, you know, when you accuse somebody, they are also they also have to live so what whatever your story is it has to be the true story yeah don't ever plant something on somebody mm. don't ever do that so that's like i mean opening waiting self dandy. because the moment you say something has happened to you i'm going to believe you mm-hmm. and i'm going to start by you until otherwise so there is a lot going on because men do these things and they want women to feel ashamed of themselves mm-hmm. so they will rape you they no say you're not for go go talk because nobody's going to believe and most of the time we normalize it by having a, a relationship yeah yeah but then it is there it's eating mm-hmm. that experience is there mm-hmm. so it's very complex and so when you're talking about survivals we get levels mm-hmm. we are all at different levels so, even sitting together as survivors, they, it's not easy. People go talk at a level. But they are like, no, I don't want to let ask me really this one. Mm-hmm. You have to respect that. So, survivors are not, in my opinion, it's almost as if they are trying to push survivors out of leading this fight. Mm-hmm. People want to speak for us. No. I don't want you to babysit me about my experience. Yeah. We need to give space. You're not going to be the hero or shield. Let's allow people to organically come out, share their stories when they want to, in their own time. And let's put structures in place as to how they can find recourse, how they can heal. I can talk about my experience any day now, and I'm not crying about it. But there was a time when I could hardly sit. There are people here, there are women and men here, including religious leaders, who saw me through my pain in the last four years. Before I spoke, before I came out like bang But it was the level of impunity where the person who violated me, you know I speak about two people, my uncle and the servant. My uncle has been finding ways because I gave everybody the same opportunity. I want to speak to you about what you did to me. I was at that level
3: mm-hmm.
2: where I needed to ask why. What thing do you do? What thing do you do to me? Mm-hmm. So for one year, I was after that reverend, trying to tell him, I need to speak to you. But he knew what I wanted to speak to him, to him about. about. Yeah. So he evaded me. I lay complaint to people in. There was somebody here, a woman here in this country, who was between us. So I have all of that. So it's not like I woke up one day and I just call him. No, of course not. I went through a process. The same process I went with this uncle. And even him, I told him, don't let. It. I told the intermediary, he shouldn't bank on anything. But him... Through this intermediary, I asked why he did that. He gave very flimsy excuses. We make, of course, a, a vex extra. Mm-hmm. He's not out of the woods. I'm not on rich dates okay. for Neyman because I am considering other things. And he, was not, he has not been as blatantly dis, um, dismissive mm-hmm. as the other person. That person dismissed, tried to dismiss what he had done to me. This one owned up, so you are you, are, you are understanding. Okay. He he didn't see he, he he didn't see it as rape in his mind, in excuse. But then it gave me the opportunity to say, Yasmin, tell him that I was three years, three months young, three months younger than his daughter. That if a man in his forties, then had slept with his 16-year-old daughter, that in itself is morally wrong. And he was my auntie's husband. And he did that. I said, go and tell him that. So I'm vexed that it, it was here. Mm-hmm. You understand? So I am still dealing with that aspect. Mm. It's in my book. So people know who he is within the right. family. Okay. okay. But you have stages, even with episodes. I have had a woman who have said to me, I was raped by rebels. But that rape, they no more me. Now that boy, with the America. That one gray boy. That one day. Now don't they, they cry, but they not they is a crybot. It's not a crybot, gang rape. Mm. So this is a very complex issue. It is not for papishou. Mm. Women are dealing, now that we are talking about this, it is bringing up a lot of emotions for women. And those are the women that I I am in contact with. You are never going to hear them on television. Maybe one or two will come out. Mm. You have women also who are in this fight who have not come out. They are fighting, but they are struggling because they are yet to deal with their own. Yeah. So we have to be very careful how we tell people to speak up. So I am doing my own work with these women because... They are not going to be public. Mm -hmm. But for me, I have seen progress in some of them. Um, They are moving back. They've made steps. They know that they cannot go over here now. This will have to stop here. And so they've taken their lives back. But the fact that they've been able to speak in a safe space, Mm -hmm. where you will never know these women that I'm talking about, it's good. So we need to create that level of environment. That is where I come in. And um, when everything has gone, I, will, I have my room there. But I speak a lot on the phone. So for me, it's about solutions of healing. It's about prevention. How do we prevent? My 50th speaker says it's about prevention. How do we let create awareness so young girls can see the signs of these perpetrators who come... In godlike form. So it's 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 when you see the way things are done just to score points, you don't take women's rape, sexual violence stories as a, a scorecard. It's disrespectful. Mm. So I don't associate with lots of things because I feel like no. no. So people come to me. I want to talk about. I said no. My story is not to make you my story is for something else. Mm-hmm. People will listen to this and maybe they will find solace in what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is not for somebody to be popular or to Some monetize. Right, yeah. Around. Especially
0: or capitalised for yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's gave me something to think about. Like, yes, in as much as there's advocacy, hyper advocacy like around uh rape and whatnot, but there's there's like on the other hand, it's very disproportionate to the energy given to survivors, and it can be traumatizing and mm-hmm. triggering to those who are survivors. So, well, where are we now, exactly. you know, we, like what's the support for us? Because yeah. what she rightly said, "There's little to no support." I mean, there's the physical support, like Rainbow and whatnot. You know, they help. There are some places that help with psychosocial support, but then that's it. In terms of counseling, what, where do
1: where survivors do we stand? I mean, yeah. how,
2: oh, we don't have trained people. Mm. Mm. Again, I go back to. What's Naxa? Where they talk about so with them? You know, when I found that, when I read about that, it was quite. People have people who they trust. You see, counselling is about trust, establishing mm. a trust in relationship. Girls can talk to you because of your programs that you've done. Mm. They have established that trust. So when you go to speak to them, they trust you. Mm-hmm. They will tell you their intimate stuff. Depending on what issue, you have, you move from that vicinity and go to some other girls. They will not speak to you. No, of course not. They're not used to it. Even mm-hmm. just having conversation and speaking up. So if we have um, leaders, whether it's mommy queens or this and that, because of the trust that they have within their area, mm-hmm. we have to create those organic safe spaces for women
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah to go and heal for me it's at that level that i am moving because if they cannot speak to you and i and they need to speak women just lie down and die the following day because the stress yes yeah, a lot mm, for one person can kill you yeah you will get exposure imagine then imagine so this woman in um let me give you this example of this woman that was gang raped in both had we not intervened she would have gone back to that community
3: mm-hmm. mm. yeah.
2: she was in hospital when i found out about what she was going to be discharged the day before and say all team fine she's okay she was going to be discharged from a hospital getting in touch with her sister the chief people um contributed we got an ambulance to bring her to the women's center mm-hmm. then, uh, from where are my in case don't come out uh, magistrate court what's the follow-up i see too that and this was like there. in jam mm-hmm. how many you months understand? ago from where in case don't come out magistrate court It sits a bear but anyway they said to me they have been backlog of cases the fa- fa- in case force i mean yeah, it was publicized yeah. no you know, it, 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 it disappeared oh uh, yeah yes, yes yes so Thankfully, lawyers, they don't fend way. Okay. Um, um, Nikki, Fatma, so they found, they, anyway, they, they found the file. Oh, because okay. The file, you know, they, I'm following up. Mm, okay. But, it, so the legal side, we have people who are really doing what they want, you know, they're doing fantastically. But, where, when Aberdeen women now was thinking, what do we do, where would she go? And at some point, she thought she would go back into her community her sister said Wait, can't we go so i spoke to her she self developed high blood pressure Straight thankfully she's in a safe home even oh. i don't see her oh, okay but she's there she's managing and two of the little girls the five-year-old and the ten-year-old who were there mm-hmm. also they all went, so, so you get like in this experience. So, but she's there. I just check with the organization. How is she doing? She seems to have settled. But she, at some point, she's going to leave that space. Yeah. i imagine if she was in that place. Ha! Huh? Then would they talk? Yep. Nobody people will you know, she will just be an outcast. She probably would have died She'd be stigmatized and
1: reliving Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you
2: don't die because she had complications Yeah, and had we not brought her here to treat have, you know, x-ray and proper medication medical treatment Sometimes, if I don't die, we don't forget about her. We don't forget about in case So there are all of these things. So we really need to go into the communities and not talk at this peripheral level, even when we go into communities. But we ask within communities, what are the structures? We set those counselling structures, just like what I was trying to do with the schools. So if girls have things, they can have a space to report, and you have to negotiate. And see. what I mean negotiate, the information that they bring out, how you manage. You have to, you have to manage because somebody they just can't say, "Say well," then you go put your name. Because yeah. people tell you, and they say, no, but I don't want to let nobody hear you. You have to respect that. As Absolutely, difficult yeah. as it is for you, you have to respect Yes, mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it is not, you know, we are doing the advocacy at this level, but for survivors, it's huge. I got that when I was in the U.S. and the U.K., when I would just spoken, and there was all this Me Too, you know, people have said, to me, did the Me Too. I said, you know, at a global, for the awareness it has. I said, but for me, it created, it brought so much to the forefront that I wasn't ready to deal with. Yeah. I, I could have failed my cause because of that. Because of something that happened to me 35 years ago. Because, you understand, because they were both around the same time, 15, 16. So, but because it's in my face. So every time I see another woman saying you know he did this to me instant recall it takes me back yeah to i don't get i don't get my boyfriend eh, there matter why another thing but any other boyfriend was uh, any other man you understand where i don't sleep with why do i have to pinpoint these two people like 35 years ago because it was a traumatic experience mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. so you cannot dismiss it yeah so we have these recalls as we did. well they make and even like them in picture way well, there are so many people who that speech with the, uh, the former attorney general triggered they mm. called me they were crying i was there speaking about it but then it brought up other people it brought up their own stuff somebody just come here and pick me phone He both cry the day i spoke in kenema between kenema and bo i had to turn my phone off when i got to go because there were women calling me and crying because my story triggered their mm. own experiences right. and that oh well sometimes we self go and we talk. I'm like, well, you don't have to talk like I have spoken. It's not a competition. Let's
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: let's deal with it. but talking for some people is just for the first time telling another person. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And that will be coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be
1: um, It doesn't have to be to an audience or anyone. It, it's just no. having the courage to speak up. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad that we're actually talking about having survivors speaking up because even on this topic, I was very adamant to Yasmin. I was like, I don't think we should talk about this alone. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we move the conversation? And I think the only way we can move the conversation is if you um, involve survivors. Mm-hmm. They are the best people to tell us how, how yeah, to lead we, this. how yeah. to lead this. And then also, mm-hmm. I, I think um, that it gets to a point where it, it's kind of, I don't know, I'm just saying from the outside looking in, I think if you haven't suffered from um, rape, how do you differentiate who is an ally and who is performative? I feel like it mm-hmm. comes across very... So that's why I, when Yasmin suggest, I said, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm down for, like, mm-hmm. talking about it, but we definitely need to get a survivor or somebody who's in that space to talk about it because there's only so much we could Can we add to off, the conversation. Yeah, an and also imagine a survivor listening to us, how would they then interpret it? Do you know what I mean? Like, like you don't know. have had the experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good that we're talking about this, but then how, how do we encourage survivors to speak more
2: but it's giving them the space so you didn't come to me and instantly say that's what we want to hear about your rip story what did you, you understand mm. so it this emerged out of the conversation mm. i i you know uh, proffered information mm-hmm. i spoke you have not asked me specifically on these issues it's our conversation coming out and so you are learning you're hearing some stuff that i'm saying maybe for the first time mm-hmm. uh, you understand but if you Had a prescription of you know, you know you want to tick the okay 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 I'm here. Like a checklist. Yes, like a checklist. Terrible. Then you don't allow people because when you open up conversations like this, some people will shut down. Yeah. Some people will take a marathon, and you have to allow them to speak. Mm -hmm. Those who don't want to speak, you move away from the discussion. Mm -hmm. They are not ready. You understand. And you yeah. can't force someone. You can't at force all. Them. At all. Yeah. It was a time when, you know, all these journalists were after me and da-da-da-da. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready.
0: It has to be organic. Because even yeah. that's it's triggering itself. But, like, just to follow up what you were saying, I feel that's like I start, like, with my with my whole being, I couldn't support in, like, the whole, like, I am Khadija movement. Because of that, I had this conversation. I was like, you hear about this thing. Oh, I'm Khadija. I'm Khadija. After two weeks. eating. And that's basically what happened. Yes, I know the, the 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 case was unsuccessful and all of that. But it's just like I feel like survivors really should be at the front of that movie. It's great that you saw young people mobilizing. I really like the energy, but then it's like, what's next after this? You know, people like you said, they were capitalizing. People did the shirts, people did this, this, and that. We saw all of that. So like I supported it like you know, just like I support, like, you know, other the causes, advocacy, yes, as yeah. an ally, yeah. mm-hmm. but I could not be like, oh, are they going to it? T- t- no, I couldn't do that, because of that reason, if I really.
2: for the, for the, um Because you have subtle and blatant advocacy, that for me was blatant than So, you know, the young people said, <laughs> Nas, uh, Madam Nasu, you have to come. I say, I am not coming because of Khadija. No, I'm coming right. because the there are so mm-hmm. many Khadijas. Mm-hmm before her and after her. It's the injustice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am not... So I said, I will come out, you know, and support you, but that... So it's only when they started arresting them, mm-hmm. you know, and then I had to go to Central Police Station, cetera, So Now they make a talk. I was not part of their organizing.
0: Ah, uh, okay. In fact,
2: I told them, do you have...
0: Um, a permit? Pa- uh, permit.
2: Okay. But you know, you young people, when you're ready to... <laughs> to to, uh, 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 to organize this you know. They they just, they, they do it. They were ready. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I also wanted to be there like a voice of reasoning to say, okay, you know, you have to do it, but it has to be peaceful. But you know, before I left, I sent a message to my daughter. Mm-hmm. fact I called her, I said, mommy's going to protest. She might not be coming home for the next two months. You know, they might arrest her. Mm-hmm. So I had to do all of those. But, you know, the, these young people... Where they, they had an agenda they were not going to start um you know i told them people might get into this week mm-hmm. so even when we are going to the attorney general office you know when they were getting a bit rowdy, i'm like no sit down you know sit down you understand but i was with them so if we were going to be arrested then we get arrested but they mm-hmm. needed a voice an authentic voice that will also speak to the issue mm-hmm. yeah so they wanted that kind of voice so Meeting up, pastor and the AGD, the AGD, Wale, you will talk. I was just going to be part of the protest. Right. But then they put me on the spot. I said, okay. I took the opportunity to speak on behalf of all of us survivors. Of course. And so you have to, you have that sort of radical advocacy as well. um But then the real work continues to be done when nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. Yesterday night, I was really with um, thinking, Khadija's body is still... She's been buried. What? Oh, okay. As far as I know, she's not been buried. Wow. So, I am now thinking, how long is this baby going to live? Mm-hmm passing and quietly no no mm-hmm. it would have made the news yeah it would have one kind of way so then there is there that mm-hmm. she suffered and now we continue to suffer her because people want to score points the parents should just get together and bury their child mm-hmm. so last night that was really really bothering me it, just before i went to bed it came but well, what do you do what do you do mm-hmm. This one, it totally is not the state. It's between the two parents if they can just release the body to be buried. Mm-hmm. They say they want all post-mortem. At the end of the day, somebody raped her. The post-mortem is there. But somebody, somebody strangled her. Somebody killed her. That one day, you, you, you understand, if you're contesting the rape sheet, they've not been charged for that. They've been charged for murder. Yeah. Because it's the bigger capital punishment. That's what they've been charged for. Mm-hmm. They've not been charged for rape. So if the body was sitting there because no one proved dandy, it, it could go. But the poor child sitting through that postmoting report that day, I know I know you court again. So you sit there and you you, you get Traumatized to just listening to mm-hmm. something because then you think okay, I, I was I was fifteen, sixteen, but nobody killed me. I'm mean, here, and then you start even thinking that you are lucky that you're going to tell your story. She never for me you know, she we are never going to know what happened to that little girl. It doesn't matter who's kind of story, even if they confess, we wouldn't know because mm-hmm. it's their word against something we we'll never know. So we talk about survivors without thinking people, and you also see in the space like you also see that people are even trying to shut up people like us Mm -hmm. who have been speaking about our experiences
1: only because it makes them feel uncomfortable or a certain way something they don't want to address Mm
2: Well, no, but even some, some in the advocacy space, mm-hmm. hey, nah, 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 not saying one grain and don't just like what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, you, you know very toxic mm-hmm. in yourself. Yeah, itself. very toxic. Mm-hmm. Now, but not saying one grain a survival. We got a survival, then, then we can't talk. You know, they say it in that condescending yeah. manner. Like, but it's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, because we know that everybody will disappear and move on to another topic, but we'll have to live with our experiences that's a competition because you're not that one is just something that is there so why do I want to compete with you Mm -hmm. in fact if you're doing anything that is helping me or other survivors thank you very much I would never say what you're doing is not helping me because if you must be doing something because if I care about other survivors whatever you do in your advocacy is helping the cause that I believe in Mm -hmm. and we can all not do the same thing Mm -hmm. so Whatever support somebody does, whether you're doing it right or you're doing it wrong, as long as something good has come out of it, I am all for that mm-hmm. because it's not about me, right? It's about others. So it's a uh, you know, the this sleep culture that nah, this na not to one podcast to. Nah, mm. <laughs> you know, facets, but again, you can only know when you speak to mm. one. Yeah. I actually think we should rename
1: the episode Survivors of Rape in Syria." Well, that's just my take <laughs> when, when you go and listen to, it, yeah we'll listen editing, to it again and we edit it you know, yeah you yeah.
2: probably i think you, you should leave it within the conversation so it's coming out mm-hmm. organically mm-hmm. so you know because when you say that then people are just like oh love, listen, but so i think it's nice to surprise people okay mm-hmm. yeah like, that's true you know oh eh, but they're not being intoxicated they talk about hey eh, you know hey, then then podcast you know then talk to know, too, you know I, I like I like that surprise. Mm-hmm. Isn't yeah. Yes. Anticipation. Yeah. But if you... The moment they... I mean, they're obviously going to one, but they're probably thinking, okay, she's going to talk about the book. Mm, yeah, that's true. You that's know, true. Um, because... And then they hear all this deep, deeper conversation. and mm-hmm. of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think it's the first time I've actually sat like on... You know, we're talking about the deeper, deeper, deeper. And, but I, I think you know you you should speak to other people you know with very experience people who are younger because yeah what i would really want to know is if it, if, not the same pattern still they happen mm. what's changed yeah yeah everything yeah. yeah. has changed what yeah if it's the
0: same grooming technique or you know yes. things like that see, yeah especially if it's an older person
2: yeah, older person and the, the only thing that i find consistent is the trust Mm, mm. the trust of the perpetrator yes, yeah, it's, yes. it's usually someone close huh? for sure, always.
0: Yeah. I mean rarely is it a random yeah. thing yeah. but before we close I have one final question so um, with all the community engagement that you continue to do and in the past when you were a gender advisor um, in the former administration how did you find that um, your passion for social injustice was, um, was broadened being like in the more policy in the government body and well, like, what would you say is your legacy
2: that's um, that's that position gave me a louder voice. It gave me the platform that I didn't even know that I would have on the issues. I took an opportunity, but I was prepared. I was prepared for the opportunity. Going back to that. so when I got appointed, it was a process. It was a process. Um, you know, your mother knows a bit about this. It was a process, um, you know, I resigned from the UN and then went into government for three months. And I had other things that I, I had two job offers before I actually um, got that job. But the opportunity was um, in Kenema, I had an opportunity to meet with President Koma. You know, got a long story short. It's in the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I met with him for 15 20 minutes. So it's that thing where you say Robodies, oh, I don't get the opportunity today for like hits.' I did not ask him for a job. Mm. I was simply, Mr. President, you know, you talk about gender, you have all these advisors. You, who talks to you like really? Like, who talks to you about this issue? Because you make all of these commitments. How do you know that what you've said has been followed up? He really sat, you know, like when you go down hit somebody. Mm. Now, this is the head of state, not to me, party, not to me, waiting. Self, I don't get that kind of relationship with some way. But I just said, it's like, like when he said, you ah, are speaking something, and I, you know, like you are speaking in tongues. <laughs> so I just spoke. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have been received wrongly. You know. But then he sat back. And in his signature, look, when he's thinking about something later, when I knew him more, mm. you know, and he will sit and he go twist this in mouth, send him up. Then, you know, he's thinking very seriously. Your mom will tell you that. And then um, he said, um, well, the minister, it's na a question you ask. So. Mm. And I'm very passionate about, you know, this women issue. You know, me mama you know, I'm close to my mother and I've got all these sisters around me. And then I've got two daughters. Those were his exact words. Mm. So I really want to do something in this way. You know, like, he was really talking with a lot of passion. Mm. And I felt the passion like it was genuine. Okay. So I said, ah, I see, okay. He said, so, then he said, go and call the ADC. I called the ADC. No, he said his scope, the the scope not been there. So now I said, "Call the ABC. I called the ADC, and he said, "I want to see her between Tuesday and Thursday." However tight my um, my um, schedule. schedule is, mm-hmm. I didn't know what he wanted to see me for because mm-hmm. I don't ask him for nothing. Yeah, okay. you understand. We just had this discussion, this and Like I've had the opportunity of speaking to the president. Boom! I'm going to ask him at this mm-hmm. political level. So then, anyway, I longer I got disappointment. and so I sold. I have an opportunity, you know, to give, to to, to do something about this at the highest level. We're always talking about political will. So my goal was to influence political will on the issue of gender Mm -hmm. and women's and girls' rights. So I know me want no more, any other agenda. So I went there. If I was going to be there for one month, I wanted to make an impact. Mm -hmm. If I was going to be there, so, and I knew that the first I I went in there when the agenda for prosperity, they were, you know, the beginning of doing that. So I found my way, you know, into being part of the team. Mm. And I knew, even though I hadn't studied policy then, that the only way to get governments to commit to things was to have it in the policy agenda. So Mm. having gender equality and women's empowerment as a priority the government for the next five years and everybody so when i proposed that pillar they had already set their seven pillars all led by men then i went there hmm. and said we have to do this hey Nasu don't get seven pillars already gender they under education no but we don't want the pillar already so dr nana pratt is a witness so i kept pushing even the international community did not think that that was feasible. The head of UNDP then told me that's what they are not going to listen to you. Even the ADB guy. So it was the, uh, my sisters who were at um, UN Women. who said, okay, let's have a meeting. We had the meeting and I said, we should have a pillar. A stand-alone pillar. Mm-hmm. And then mainstream. So I said, okay, you do what you have to do on the other side. I am going to lobby within the government structure. And then I started with the you know, with my fellow technocrats. We started. Mm. So once I achieved that and got the pillar, I thought, then bingo, mm. we can now build on. So whatever we want in this place. So I set up the gender equality and women's empowerment pillar for pillar eight. And then we started bringing everything that we needed. So now do the momentum start. Mm. So we already had a policy which we could then now use to access funds mm. from government and then make the bigger advocacy. So now that's, 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 that's you, cannot have, you cannot have a platform, an opportunity like that, mm. and not push what is important of to course. you, not just to you, but to the country. Mm-hmm. So that platform, really, to answer your question, was a huge vehicle to um, showcase my commitment, not just for me, but to take an issue which people just were treating so, you know, like, well, this is not well. well, then I don't mind them business. Mm-hmm. So to take it from that level and bring it within the national consciousness, I, if there is nothing I achieved in that office, just putting that for the five years, and now that particular um, um, policy then, is now, we now have this government, the minister has taken it further, Mm -hmm. okay? I think she would have presented it to cabinet. So it has moved. So if nothing else, I am proud of myself that I came up with that initiative. Mm -hmm. It's got um, um, embraced by the last government. It has made its way into this government and we are moving with it yeah. so if nothing in <laughs> i can go out of this world today knowing that i did my own little bit mm, that's absolutely a big achievement. very big achievement yeah. that's yeah. fantastic
0: uh, thank you so much, Nasu, for uh, uh, letting us have you on the podcast. But, I mean, you already talked about um, your coconut business and the upcoming book. But is there anything you want to plug? Anything that listeners should know, um, should keep up to date with? Or follow your social media pages. Yeah, where can Just so they can, they can follow the convo. Yes, yeah. yeah, where they, can they, they find they, you?
2: Well, you know... Um I, I am on Facebook. It's the only <laughs> one. <laughs> I know you would laugh humanely I am going to... Let's make, okay. I'm going to give myself homework now. Okay. okay. You're going to, I am it's going to Instagram. Instagram. I'm going to go on Instagram. My daughter is in no, I'm on Instagram, but I just don't know how you guys do it. and, that and that. So I'm going to do... I'm going to study... What I need to do on Instagram, and I start also being on Instagram and doing my live, what about, what about live. yes, live, yes. Uh, that one is, is too it, it, <laughs> it, it, my it's mom
1: awesome. was like, Hey, Yasmin, you know, show me Twitter. I want to get don't Twitter, I like Twitter I but like, once in a while, I,
2: I post, but okay. I, so, I post like really important things, like when my book came out, then I post uh, it and, because my university is normally share okay, yeah, okay, young. right. So, so, okay, so you know, I feel more useful on my facebook yeah mm-hmm. it's what you're comfortable it's with. where i'm comfortable okay i believe i might get um i might get used to instagram okay and take it on we might not do good it but with what i'm doing now and i'm very active on linkedin oh okay that's good that's yeah good. that's okay so you can find your linkedin yeah, okay. yeah 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 oh linkedin i'm very i have i have a i have a huge following on linkedin oh that's oh, good nice. okay yes, i have a, so i see people who have huge following on twitter mm-hmm. and um, instagram everyone just and, has uh, their platform what they you have mean. their platform that's true so yeah. my two strongest platforms are linkedin and facebook and facebook, and facebook. okay at for Fofana. yeah okay yeah. <laughs> um so on twitter i'm g for Fana, but i'm not really active yeah. <laughs> on, on 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 instagram instagram i'm nasu for Fana. you know it's there but I must, I cannot conclude mm-hmm. by not saying something about my coconut oil. Of course, yeah. please, tell us more. And, um, of course, the book. Mm-hmm. So the coconut oil, in 2018, I went to Rwanda, and I tasted this kabanka. They, they have this hot oil, mm. you know, and it's in all the hotels, you know, put it on their food. So how do they make this oil? So I, I'm, I'm inquisitive like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know, how did they get this oil? So, for two years, Mm. I've been trying to. So, I thought, I don't want to do this. I want to do this oil, but I'm going to use coconut oil. Mm. So, then I started trying my um, formulas with this coconut oil. And I even got a Malaysian man to try and teach me how to do it. He got it wrong. Mm. I got a Greek guy who showed me another process which was going to take forever. Mm. So, then um, one of the paramount chiefs. When I came home, gave, brought me five gallons of coconut oil. So I said to Gina Gina, before this five gallon done, that cook this with we'll a get this formula. Mm-hmm. So I just started and the second time we did it, we got it.
3: Mm. So
2: you know, I put it on Facebook, like, I've done Yeah, I don't my coconut oil. But I've improved, so I am now I now have four flavors, so Ooh. it's so it's chili based. Okay okay so i'm going to give you samples Yay. yeah so <laughs> it's chili based um so i have coconut oil mm-hmm. um with ginger chili coconut oil with ginger chili coconut oil with garlic chili coconut oil with pasmenji which is african basil mm-hmm. and then chili coconut oil with lemongrass Okay, and you can eat it with anything anything, rice, rice, okay, sandwich, sandwich, anything. Mm -hmm. You just, you know, it flavors your food. Okay, you don't need to use much. You know, you can eat it with salad, you can eat it with your, you know, fruits like avocado, you can eat it with uh, mangoes, they're really Mm -hmm. nice with mangoes, you can eat it with Mm -hmm. with papaya. Okay, um, you can eat it with dry rest lafidi mm. you can eat, cook, it, cook it as coconut rice so by the time your rice is finishing you just pour that's a flavor yeah, you okay flavor. right so this
0: enhances the flavor it it's not a enhance- seasoning
2: okay no you can use it as seasoning mm. yeah, yeah 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 so like the peppers that i do oh you know i okay. have to cook. next time i know you you've my, you come. <laughs> out. oh nice i'm excited so okay. that's that it's out there and you see how i package them so everything is local content because like what you were saying um, I couldn't order anything from outside, so mm. the bottling, and so I'm going to change to bottles or more yeah. environmental. I'm going to What's the name of it? What's it called? Susu. Susu chili coconut oil. So Susu is my pet name. Ah,
1: okay.
2: Yeah. So Susu is my pet name. Um, Susu chili coconut oil. Nice and peppers. So I put them in hampers and the hampers, oh, okay. I have this basket and maybe my country cloth signature oh, and all of that. So it's nice. It's nice. There. It's really, really nice. And I look I, forward to trying. Mm-hmm. Yes. Taking I pictures have for a the partner gram. who is coming soon. So oh, fantastic. I found a female partner. I've Yay. always wanted a partner. Um, so is she Sierra She's Sierra Oh, yeah. fantastic. She's highly blessed. You. You'll hear about her. I'll okay. let you do a podcast with her. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's... Um, about our journey. Okay, about your oh, journey. Yeah. Nice. You're going to you. I'll tell. I'll tell. I'll tell you off record. Okay. She is. Okay. Um. But we, we. you know we're talking, and we are hoping to take this oil global. Nice. Okay. But I'm. I like the fact that it's two women. We're going to work. We're going to fight. We're going work to date. together. We're going to work together. We're mm-hmm. going to promote female partnership awesome. in business. So Good. it's our main goal. And then the book it mm-hmm. how to take chai and where, for what you want where can you get the book is it just a now so it's the official on, like, my book is on yeah. amazon okay so amazon uk amazon.com amazon france amazon wherever you are mm-hmm. okay it's there and you can also get them from waterstones okay but for sierra leone mm-hmm. i have just ordered and the copies will be here they're going to be shipped at the end of the month. They've okay. arrived at the shippers. Mm-hmm. They sent me photos and I put it on Facebook. I saw on Facebook. And, <laughs> and um then so I expect them to be here next month. Oh, okay. But because of the interest, I am asking people to pre-order. So of you course. can pre-order nice. on 033 999 00. Okay. Nice. Okay. And you send your you know, you, you you we're going to do Africell and uh, Orange Money, Orange yeah. Money, both of them. Um, So that's there, but I'm really excited about my book because mm-hmm. huh, it was a journey. It's mm. a whole different podcast. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So and um, the launch. Yes, when, I'm going yes, to launch it? it here. Mm-hmm. I am planning October. Okay, that's okay? nice. so the pre-plan. I've got a very small team of women who are helping me plan. I've been very, very lucky to have some really strong women, you know, we talk about all this narrative, women, but I have just, I've gone through so much in this country Mm. and I have been supported by women and I'll continue to support women Women. and girls. It's my commitment. It's my, it's what I know and I am just glad. So, that is it so Mm okay thank Thank you thank you you so much but before we end Mm -hmm. let me um
1: give the salon proverb proverb. so today's salon proverb is no yourself, not a Mm cost." so that's knowing yourself is not an insult Mm -hmm. and you can find us at facebook instagram and twitter at Y Y y square pod thank you for listening guys bye bye
0: this episode is sponsored by mercury international Mercury International is a company based here in Freetown, Sierra Leone, but its presence is felt both nationally and internationally. You may know Mercury as the Lotto Company, but they are far more than that. Mercury International offers services such as sports betting, and they have a radio station.
1: Additionally, they have embarked on philanthropic projects. Recently, they raised and donated 300 million Leones, which is $30,000, to the Survivors Solidarity Fund, co-chaired by the journalist Aisha Sese actor Idris Elba and media personality here in Freetown, Asma James.
0: These funds are being used to fund treatment centres and organisations that work in sexual and gender-based violence to provide pro bono services to sexual assault victims and survivors here in Sierra Leone.
1: For more information on the work Mercury International does, you can contact them at 232 or email them at info at beta- mercury.com or visit their website at beta.mercury.com
2: West no,
3: West